Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It's a Thursday here on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Network, and that means it's time to get riled up on the Cowboys with my man Tom Ralph and your boy Roy White. What more can the Cowboys do to convince the naysayers that they are for real this season? Well, unfortunately, Tom, we're in that stretch where it really doesn't matter what they do. They can play as well as any team in the league. And oh, by the way, they have. And yet there still will be those naysayers who, some will argue, rightfully so, have a case to make that until this team does it against better competition, they will not be fully sold. That being said, Tom, I don't know if you could do it much better than the show that the Cowboys put on against the Giants. And I think you and I would like to see some follow-up for that. Yeah. Now, the game – Against the Giants, there were there were some things that could have been done better. The opening drive failing at the one yard line, uh, just going soft at the beginning of the second half for a, a few series, and then deciding, well, maybe we need to finish this game out. Uh, and a few other nits that we're going to pick on here in a minute, uh, but you know that was really a great game against a frankly outgunned opponent that was just struggling huge issues at quarterback uh lots of absences all up and down the roster and this week they're playing a one and eight carolina panthers team that has a quarterback that's really struggling they have coaching issues uh yeah it's this it's hard to prove much and so as you and I came up with, I think they need to work on continuing the really good stuff that we saw last week. Uh, some of which was new, some of which had actually been rolling for three or four weeks. And then they need to try to work on those nits that we're talking about. You know, Liz, there's, there's some things this team definitely can improve on. Uh, so let's start with what we think they can build off of, right? The the positives that we've seen them building off of the last few weeks and some of the trends I think you and I can touch on that uh, we've identified as things that, hey, stuff to look forward to. The first one of which, without question, right? The emergence of Brandon Cooks. It's taken far too long to get yeah. to this point. But finally, we saw the Brandon Cooks that we believed and were quite honestly sold on that he could be nine catches 170 plus yards explosion stretching the field 
uh, blowing the top off the defense and even making a heck of a play defensively as mm-hmm. he did have to turn into a cornerback on the only pass thrown his way that wound up as an incompletion. Yeah, and and I love the fact that he had two catches past the 25-yard line, and that's air yards when you go back to the passing chart. Those were pure air yards out past the 25. Uh, then you throw in Michael Gallup's 41-yard catch, which was all in the air. Uh, you can't say that Dak Prescott can't throw deep anymore because he's he was throwing beautiful deep balls uh, just as he threw a lot of really good balls. He had very few even questionable passes. Of course, he had the one interception. But, yeah, all of a sudden you've got Cooks there, a guy you know, he averaged 19-plus yards per catch. That's ex- how long have we been yearning for that consistent field stretcher, the guy that can go down and get you the big chunk plays that the other team has to say, oh, my gosh, we can't let him beat us with just a couple of plays. They have to try to cover him, and, oh, yeah, there's a problem when they do that. (laughs) Well, and not only is it a difficult task to have to handle his speed and what he does to a defense in terms of, like, stretching the space, but he was able to put up that stat line while C.D. Lamb still did what he did for the third straight game, an NFL record, never been done before, a player doing what he has done, putting up 150 yards and 11 catches in three straight games. That, to me, is almost the more impressive aspect of what Brandon Cooks did because he did it in sync with C.D. Lamb also being able to get his. And that is something that I hope, I really think that early on in the season, like I'm more and more convinced as what we've seen over the past few weeks indicates they have made a significant change to their offensive philosophy. I think the numbers bear that out. I think Brandon Cook's involvement specifically in this game bears that out. I don't know if Brandon Cook's just wasn't open earlier in the season. I feel though, and I bet, that if I were to investigate, this would back it up. He just wasn't being utilized or he wasn't even being looked to in that fashion because they weren't willing to let Dak throw the ball down the field. Yeah, and it's it, you I, You have to think it can't be that he was not getting open. That doesn't make any sense. Why would he suddenly be able to get so open in this game if he wasn't doing it in the other ones? And I do think it was – Maybe a little bit of McCarthy's play calling, what he was trying to do, what he was telling Dak. And don't forget that for the three prior games, that Prescott-Lamb connection was really starting to blossom. And maybe Prescott was focusing on getting that right. And finally he had a game where he didn't have to worry about making that right. And he could kind of look around. He's like, oh, this number three looks like he's pretty open out there. Let me throw it at him. Uh, you know, and Cooks had had some games where he started to show a little something and it just wasn't consistent. That's what the key thing is. Can they do this consistently? If if they can get both of those guys at over 100 yards or at least, you know, both of them really close to being over 100 yards, 
then we'll know they've got the two-headed monster at wide receiver, you know, really going. And frankly, against Carolina, if they don't both get over 100 yards, then, you know, we might want to try to figure out why, because they should be able to, you think. Um, you know, Carolina is – they're just not a good team. Uh, you know, are they as bad as the Giants? I don't know, but they're not good. Uh, you know, they're one and eight. That's that seems to indicate something. And Bryce Young is not doing well. What can you say? They have maybe one player that I think is more talented than just about anybody on the Giants. That's Brian Burns, uh, the defensive lineman, like very dangerous, can cause a lot of uh, damage. But uh, yeah, not to get too far deep down that road. Um, I do think this game against the Panthers is one that the Cowboys will kind of be able to sharpen their knives a little bit. I mean, you expect that to be the case. These games can almost only go one of two ways. It's either a blood wedding or an unnecessarily close game. And I don't really see a scenario that it can be an unnecessarily close game here. So I would like them to continue to build on, on these things, right? Brandon cooks, number one, we really alluded to it there as well. Letting Dak cook number two. Dak Prescott, in these last four games, has consistently been able to execute putting the ball further down the field. And that is illustrated, as I mentioned, like this is where I think the stats bear it out, that they've just done something slightly different philosophically because through the first five games, he was averaging about six and a half, seven yards per attempt. Since then, right, the last four games, he's averaging almost 10 yards, over 10 yards per attempt, right? The difference is almost four yards per attempt more in the last four games. And yes, of course, some of that, right, is the fact that he's connecting with his receivers and that's making a huge difference, but he is also executing at a phenomenally high level. And oh, by the way, he already has more rushing touchdowns than he had well, excuse me, he already has more rushing touchdowns than he had in any of the last two seasons and more than he's had in the past three seasons combined. So I think all those things are pointing to like, hey, Dax, comfortable still moving his legs. Yes, he's not the elusive guy that he used to be. Doesn't necessarily need to be, though, because, hey, who throws better on the run than Dak Prescott in the NFL right now? Yeah, and he's very good on them. I think he's, I think he's better when you roll him out. Myself. He is like yeah. I don't need him to be the fastest guy in the world if he can just get him moving with his legs and then chuck it. And and I had to, I wanted to throw in one note that came up today. Uh, tight end Hayden Hurst may not be available for the Panthers on Sunday, so it's just getting worse for them. Uh, yeah. So that was worth mentioning. But somebody who's going to be available for the Cowboys that that you pointed out and that that I agree had his best game of the season to kind of join Cooks and having a little bit of a breakout was Mozzie Smith on very few snaps really uh he he was the highest graded rookie defensive tackle as you dug up uh this this pro football focus and granted like yes Jalen Carter didn't play this weekend understanding but Hey, it was an 83.6. Like he was out there making an impact, uh, making plays and, and clogging up space, which is all they're asking him to do at this moment. 
Yeah, it was a it was a really weird game statistically, by the way, because Micah Parsons didn't even make the stat sheet um, because everybody else was making plays, uh, and that includes Mozzie. It's you know, I'm not going to sit here and argue that it was the best use of that first round pick, but everyone who's wailing and moaning and gnashing their teeth and thinking that he was he is a bust already. Let's slow the roll here. Uh, they needed some help in the middle of the, the defensive line. Jonathan Hankins is an older player. We don't know how long he's even going to want to keep playing. And, you know, Smith, I think, is the future. And fortunately, he's getting to be a little bit of the now at this point. Well, so far, as far as rookies go, I mean, he may be coming along the best of the rookies. At yeah, this the point. ones Not, that are actually. Yeah, exactly. The ones that are still here, right? I mean, we know what Overshawn would have been or presumably would have been. Um, with that being said, you know, obviously the Cowboys don't seem like they have a ton to build on at the rookie, you know, in the rookie class this year, but Man. we'll see. Right, we'll we see. Got, like, I, I'm not going to dump on him just yet. Um, we may, but, I mean, we, I kind of agree, right? I have to hold my tongue a little bit because – and mash my teeth because, like, yeah, uh, that was not the best use of a first-round pick. I don't care what Mozzie Smith ends up being, like, as his best ceiling. It's probably not going to be and have been, as we reflect on it, the best use of that first-round pick. We may have seen a little hint, though, uh, that there could be some more talent because – Jalen Brooks had him a nice little game when he came in late. It's primarily mm-hmm. working, I think, with uh, uh, Cooper Rush. But Cooper. but I think that Dak completed a pass or two to him as well. And he had four catches for like 39 yards. That's pretty solid showing for a guy that's been mostly on the inactive list. So that's that's good things. You know, a lot of things that are trending, you know, really strongly in the right direction, I think. But there's at least as many things that I think the Cowboys came out of that game still needing to figure out, don't you? Uh, One in particular, and I can't figure it out now because for all the, you know, parts of the Cowboys that I thought would be a get-right game against the Giants, specifically – Tony Pollard and his history against this New York Giants team had me believing that this would be his game to get back on the horse. And unfortunately, for now the sixth straight week, Tony Pollard has failed to eclipse the 60-yard mark. Now, you might say, and I was initially in this camp, Tom, hey, perhaps they're just not blocking run. They're just not run blocking very well. Right. Perhaps that is the case. But then Rico Dowdle got his chances and some of it wasn't garbage time. But in the game, in the parts of, you know, the game that still kind of mattered, he looked like the more explosive back. Now, like we still need to, I guess, accept the fact that Tony Pollard is not even a year removed from tearing his leg apart. Right. That probably still needs to be stated more often than it is when we expect him to be the lead back right out of the gate because he's making his franchise tag money. And I get it. That's kind of how he's going to be used. But I'm starting to scratch my head, Tom, and ask myself, 
is this the right utilization of Tony Pollard? And is this the right utilization of this running back backfield if he's going to continue to perform in this fashion? Yeah. Do we have a Tony Pollard problem? Uh, it, it's hard to say. It, they may be very happy with having two backs that can reliably give you 120, 130 yards combined. Uh, you don't burn it, either of them out. Uh, and that's one of the things we should watch to see if if maybe Pollard can do it. Maybe they need to let Rico start a game or two and see if the role's kind of reversed. Maybe Pollard's just better when he comes in after a couple of series. I don't know. Uh, how much of this is Mike McCarthy's play calling and his, his game plan? And, you know, the blocking thing, you can ask that. But like you said, Dowdle could do it with the same blocking. Uh, you know, uh, he, I think his numbers were padded a little bit because he played in the uh, last quarter, which was truly gar- garbage time. I mean, Dak Prescott was wearing his, his uh, fourth quarter hat, as he called it in the uh, sounds from the sideline this, this week. <laughs> But that'll average 6.6 yards while Pollard was just 3.7. Uh, Dowdle was just not having those, you know, one yard runs that Pollard seems to have some of every game. So it's one to watch. It's the first, I think, of items that we would like to see them potentially address as they take on a team that is not great against the run. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think another aspect that might surprise folks about the Cowboys over the past couple weeks, because they have looked really solid both offensively and defensively, but they haven't actually won the turnover battle. In the last four games, the Cowboys turnover differential has been negative. Turned the ball over five times. They've uh, gotten three back. So, is there any change that can be made there? I mean, we've had this conversation, Tom, uh, from the standpoint that, hey, turnovers are uh, – uh, they can't be really predictive to any degree. But at the same time, is this an opportunity to, to turn up the screws a little bit? Yeah. It's – you know, I, I mean, usually when there's a – when Prescott gets an interception, it's because he just makes a mistake. And that's something they can work on cleaning up. One of the interceptions was by Cooper Rush. Do we really care about that? You know, uh, and then, you know, Deron Bland came in and got an interception. You might ask why they weren't getting more against Tommy DeVito, but DeVito wasn't doing much of anything. And so I'm not sure that really means a whole lot. Uh, they didn't have to worry about it. I mean, maybe it was a case of sometimes he was throwing the ball so poorly they couldn't pick it off. <laughs> yeah, that, that can be that can be an issue if you're trying to count your takeaways. I think that's uh, fair. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, I'm trying to remember if they had a, a fumble or two that they managed to get, that the Giants managed to get back. I don't remember because Cowboys had bad luck with, again, with that against the Eagles. Uh, yeah, I'm more worried about not taking care of the ball in this aspect. You know, you, they need to clean that up. You want you want to come out of a game clean always. So it's really tough. 
So we'll have to figure it out. And yeah, we'll get a chance to see. So uh, yeah, and well, another other, thing is, yeah, I was go just going to say another thing to remember is that the Cowboys ran so many offensive plays. They had seventy-seven to only fifty-five for the Giants, and most of the Giants, I think, were in the fourth quarter. So the the whole thing with that is that there are just so many more opportunities for the Cowboys to make a mistake. And they're also being more aggressive in the passing game. That's more chances. So mm, I'm, I, you know, I'm not ready to, to start flashing the warning signs yet. I'm just going to another say, question. Yeah. On aggression, reflecting now on it. Right. And this is always something that people love to do, right? Hindsight is 2020, but has Mike McCarthy been too aggressive on fourth and shorts in the last couple of weeks? I think there's times against both the Eagles and against the Giants where they could have taken points and been comfortable with doing so against the Eagles. Had they taken points in multiple instances, that game could have wound up being different at the end. Do we have any issue there or is this, hey, just the cost of doing business? I, I'm i not going to argue right now with that aggressiveness because I think it's paid off for the Cowboys more than it hasn't. And you're always, you know, you can kind of expect that you're not going to be 100% on those situations unless you're the Eagles and you got one yard to go. And that's different. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Understood. Understood. Uh, They did get some not-so-great news this week. Um, Jerry Jones announced on the Cowboys flagship that Leighton Vander Esch would not only be done for the season, but Jerry alluded to the fact that he would have to contemplate his overall football career after mm-hmm. needing to have a, a second neck surgery to repair an injury there. So, I mean, obviously our, you know, our hearts go out to him and his family for having to handle that type of decision and whatever he decides, we will obviously be in full support of that. As Cowboys and, fans, and, and I'll vote that he needs to 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 think really long and hard before coming back. This is sitting dangerous stuff he's messing with. He's had a pretty dang good career. Uh, linebackers often get their careers truncated by injury anyway. Um, his his well being trumps any 
hindrance it causes to the team. And oddly enough, the fact that he, I mean, I find myself that, you know, people say, yeah, Leighton Barry, I go, oh, yeah, he's still around. I mean, it's like, did yeah. we miss him at all? Uh, this, I, I think we are finding out something more about Dan Quinn's defense than we are about the linebacking personnel. You know, because right now they, they only have Marquise Bell and Damone Clark on the roster as linebackers. Uh, they did call up uh, Rashawn Evans, who played pretty darn well. Got some, he got on the stat sheet. Uh, Dan Quinn, my, I think I can see Dan Quinn sitting there when they're talking in the, during the draft and, and saying, linebackers, we don't need no stinking linebackers because he <laughs> kind of runs the off the defense a lot of times with maybe just one on the field. Uh, yeah, he uses uh, Javon Curse as a de facto linebacker. He seems to be getting some utility in that same kind of stuff from uh, Donovan Wilson and Malik Hooker. Uh, and he just makes it work. What's what really was surprising to me was when I said, well, let's look at the play percentages for the for the players. Curse was on the field for only 58% of the defensive snaps. Clark for 53. Evans was on for 49. And the one that opened my eyes was that Bell just saw 39% of the defensive snaps. And yet, for the entire first half, the Giants could do nothing offensively. Now, a lot of that is it was the Giants' offense. But you'd expect them to put up a little bit more than 28 yards and a half. <laughs> that's just – that's abysmal. Uh, you know, and after – after halftime, things kind of the foot came off. I'm just not right now. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on it, but I'm thinking this may be a non-issue. And I think mm. that with I think we're going to see Evans make it to the 53 sooner than later. Uh, uh, just to give them that depth, and I think they're going to roll with it. The question right now is with the whole 53-man roster good to go at this point um uh, for the for the game you know who, who are they going to wind up bumping if they decide they want to bring evans up so that may be their biggest problem there well uh, it'll also be interesting if a team though then decides to play matchups against them one sunday a team that we didn't maybe expect that matched up well against the cowboys but because they play bully ball or because they have guys that are you know larger sized if they can take advantage of the Cowboys in any degree, right? I'd like to see that be put to the test a little bit. I don't know if we're going to get that put to the test against Carolina, but you know, that makes it something more that they can build on and potentially address. So I right? give yeah. us some more confidence that these guys yeah. are going to fill in this spot and we won't skip a beat. And, and the thing is that the Carolina game and you know, you remember how I was a little worried last week, I'm not worried. I think that this is going, the Cowboys are just going to roll. The question is going to be how how good are they going to do, and are any of these issues going to kind of start to resolve themselves? Uh, you talk about playing bully ball. Uh, you remember, the Cowboys have a lot of beef up front to kind of keep the pressure off the line. So, yeah, it's 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 definitely one of those. Let's keep an eye on this things, but I'm not concerned. Something that does concern me is that we saw them have a rash of penalties again. Mm. But it was weird. 
the first half was one of the cleanest halves of football I've ever seen played on both sides because the Cowboys had one flag, the Giants had one flag. And so you're thinking, hey, great, this will help get this, this game over because it's not the most, you know, it's entertaining for us, but I'm sure most of the fans were going like, oh, Lord, trying to watch that that poor display of football on the behalf of the guys from the Big Apple or the Big New Jersey or whatever you want to call it. And then after halftime, the Cowboys got flagged eight freaking times. It, it's, you know, I, I'm not going to say that there's any reason to think that maybe the refs got a call at halftime and told to do something to try and slow down the Cowboys. I don't want to start any conspiracy theories. <laughs> but, yeah, I just started a conspiracy theory. So <laughs> I just – actually, actually, I stole that off of the Internet. Somebody was talking about that. But uh, – yeah, I just, you know, they can't be that sloppy because against a better team, that could be crucial in a different situation when they're not up by four scores. It's that proven be to be crucial. crucial. Look against the game in Philly is the only game you, you only need to go back a few weeks. They were on the doorstep. A pair of penalties knocked them out, and that was basically the end of their opportunity. Yeah, that's true. And I think there's just something, another little thing that that just bothers me. The Cowboys really seem to come out of the halftime sloppy. I mean, they they let the Giants go down and score a touchdown on the Giants' second position after the Cowboys had gone three and out. They forced three and out on the first uh, drive by the Giants. But then they answered with their own three and out, uh, including a seven-yard pass, I think, to Ferguson on third and nine, which, you know, that that bothers me even when they aren't doing it very much. And and they just kind of let loose of the reins for a little bit. And it was kind of like they did that, and they're like, oh, okay, let's get our heads back in the game. And then they marched down and scored another touchdown, pushed 35 to 7. Of course, they pick up two more scores. Uh, and then the Giants would get they get a field goal, and that, that last touchdown was right at the very end of the game and the very definition of garbage time. But I don't like that coming out of halftime and just not looking like you're still you still have your head in the game. Yeah, still engaged. Well, I think I mean. Well, you always need to come out of, of halftime, no matter how much of a lead you may have for the first half. I, th- I think there's always a need to establish that, like, this is not happening today. This won't happen today. We saw it in the playoffs last year. Like, the Chargers let the door open for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're up 27 to nothing. The Jags score going into half. Seven points. You think it's incidental. It, like, it's means nothing. Jaguars wind up winning that game. 31 to 30, right? Because the Chargers only scored three points in the second half. And and that is where I think the Cowboys to build on things, right? To feel like they're addressing items that need to be addressed. That's where Mike McCarthy comes in. I don't know if I have a whole lot of faith that he will do that, though, to be fair. But to in his defense, what I think we've seen in the past few games, when Mike McCarthy gets the team's foot on somebody else's neck, he's not letting up the pressure, which that killer instinct, uh, if you want to call it, you know, sorry for the violent reference, but 
you need that if you're going to be a championship caliber team. Hundred um, percent. You know, and the Cowboys. You know, you know, looking ahead. You know, we we talked about the path to the playoffs. You know, they've now got their second, what should be a very easy game in a row. Uh, then I think it's the Commanders. That's right. Is- I mean. Should be yeah. a decently easy game for the offense, but the defense will have a challenge. Sam Howell yeah. has looked legitimate. Yeah, and then they've got the Seahawks who are getting feisty out in the the AFC West. Then the you know it's then things get after, interesting. After this game, they have to ramp it up. They really do. So, and that's where look starting to build on these pieces. Right, you mm-hmm. set a foundation a few weeks ago. You know, uh, against with the play that I think they, you know, the the play that they played against the Chargers, right? That set a foundation of what the expectation mm. is going forward, and they just need to continue to build on that. I think they have done that over the last four weeks, and ultimately, that is what I think gives people confidence. That what is what will give people confidence is the feeling that they are playing their best ball going into the most important time of the year. Because what is this team guilty of? What is this franchise so often guilty of? Right. The December swoon. We even have a name for it. So yeah, let's and that's hold. a that's a tough stretch of games too. And it is because they've got the Dolphins, the Bills, the you know the second Eagles game, uh, and who's the other team they play? It, it would almost be understandable. I think the Lions, right? Uh, yeah, the Lions, which maybe well, so which could I mean, shape up be, to be the best game of the year. Yeah, I mean it could be. Two or three division leaders, right? And then the second best team in the AFC North as well. So uh, these are all very dangerous teams down the stretch. You wouldn't almost blame them if they did struggle against those teams. And yet, if they do, right, then the naysayers will have more to glob on to, Tom, and more to exacerbate us with in this exhaustive debate about whether or not the Cowboys can get it done. Fact is, until they do, Right, they'll always have some ammunition to uh, to to utilize. So, with that being said, we will leave you with your predictions. What would you like to see the Cowboys build on? What would you like to see the Cowboys improve upon when they take on the Carolina Panthers? And uh, how do you expect that game to go? Tom and I obviously expect it to be pretty easily handled by the Carolina Panthers, but we would love to hear from you. Hit him up at Tom Ryle BTB. You can hit me up at Nardub Three, of course, on Twitter, and follow all the great content at bloggingtheboys.com for year-round Cowboys coverage. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Tom, uh, as we get the pre- and post-game going for you, as well as that halftime show that we do live on Twitter Spaces. So with that, he's Tom. I'm Roy. We'll see you guys next Thursday, and stay riled up on the Cowboys.